I'm Tiana Jay, the founder of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. And I'm Lachlan, here to ask some interesting questions. Welcome, Welcome to, to Changemaker, Changemaker Q&A. With the rise of fake news, divisive politics, and growing insecurity created by social and economic inequality, we are often left with a media landscape dominated by dismal perspectives of the world. Young people need to learn about examples of positive change. Identifying potential solutions to global challenges is key to our public dialogue. As a solutions media podcast, we dive deep into current affairs and events, answer any questions you have about social change, and share stories and insights from young people and organisations active in the social change space. But before we begin, we would like to acknowledge and thank Australia's traditional owners and custodians for their continued care and protection of our land and waterways. We pay our respect to all elders past, present and emerging, and look to you for guidance as leaders of social justice. Now on to today's episode. For many, cruise ships are the ultimate holiday getaway. And what's not to love about a hotel on waves? The best cruises are like an all-inclusive resort rolled into a round-the-world trip. So it's no surprise that cruise holidays are a $55.5 billion industry in the United States alone. In fact, some people choose to retire to cruise ships instead of care homes, literally cruising to their deaths. That's why on many cruise ships, there's a secret morgue that understandably isn't advertised to prospective passengers. Tragically, those morgues started to come in handy last year as COVID started showing up on cruise after cruise. Now, cruises are less associated with holidays and fun and more with the high-profile COVID clusters they spawned around the world. The first such cluster was aboard the Diamond Princess last February which at one point accounted for over half of the world's COVID cases. Passengers were quarantined aboard the ship off the coast of Japan for nearly a month, with some countries such as the US and Australia sending repatriation flights to rescue their citizens as the transmissibility of the virus became apparent. The Ruby Princess was the origin of another cruise cluster here in Australia. The special commission conducted into the incident laid out what happened next in painstaking detail across its 320-page report, a litany of errors leading to over 900 cases and 20 deaths in Australia alone. But it's what happened before the passengers disembarked that you need to understand for what we'll be discussing later on, how COVID-19, an already highly transmissible virus, can and has become even more so in a cruise ship environment. because. There's a reason that cruise ships have been found to function as perfectly good COVID incubators. It's the same reason the Queensland government tends to hold their pandemic press briefings outside. And that reason is airflow. You might have heard people say COVID is an airborne virus. What that means is particles of COVID are tiny enough to hang around in the air after they're coughed, sneezed, or breathed out by an infected carrier. So even after the carrier leaves the area, COVID particles can remain in the air for an amount of time. That's why the Queensland Chief Health Officer, Dr. Jeanette Young, has said she prefers outdoor press conferences, as the air outside recycles more often than air in an enclosed space. So fresh air is much better at stopping the spread than stale air. Of course, that was the wisdom last year. Experts are urging vigilance outdoors after transmission was linked to a Newcastle beach gathering just last week. 
but while the great outdoors doesn't put a stop to transmission altogether, sharing the same air inside an enclosed space surely can't be good for infection control. And unfortunately, the COVID particles that are tiny enough to stay airborne are also tiny enough to get through many cruise ship air filters. That's not a bad thing. Cruise ship air filters couldn't have been designed to combat a virus that didn't yet exist. But it explains why when the 3,711 people aboard the Diamond Princess were sent to their rooms to isolate for a month and share the same air recirculated between their rooms, 712 of them ended up with COVID. That ultimately leaves us with one question. Who would be stupid enough to replicate that environment for every traveller that comes into Australia? See, if cruise ships are hotels on waves, then hotels must be stationary cruise ships. That's what a submission to the ACT Parliament discussing accommodation models for homeless people called them. The key point is that a hotel with guests is as dangerous as a stationary cruise ship if COVID-19 breaks out, wrote Richard Griffiths of Safe Shelter. And Richard isn't wrong. There's been plenty of COVID transmission within hotels in the same way as occurred on cruise ships. For example, there was transmission between flight attendants in Brisbane hotel quarantine in June. In a particularly egregious case though, a woman who managed to avoid getting COVID in India, where daily cases numbered in the thousands, quarantined in a Perth hotel upon her return to Australia. Genomic sequencing found she ended up contracting COVID in the hotel from a couple she'd never met who'd been quarantining across the hall. That's because while she'd never met them, she'd been breathing the same air as them because their rooms were connected through ventilation, just like on a cruise ship. So let's unpack how that works a little bit more. Hotels have ventilation in the first place because recycling the air in a room helps to avoid mold, which is a surefire way to get a bad Yelp review. But instead of getting in entirely new air from outside, it's generally cheaper to have a mix of new and recycled air between rooms. Think of it like a game of Among Us, where the imposter player can access events connecting rooms to travel undetected, or a movie where a character crawls through a vent shaft to make a lucky escape. Because COVID particles are smaller than the visible dust that ventilation is designed to filter out, it can travel easily through vents. So if we know this, why do we force travellers who might have COVID to stay in hotels where it's possible they'll infect each other? Well, unfortunately, it's the best option we have. It's been a long time, so many people have forgotten that hotel quarantine wasn't the original plan to tackle international COVID incursion, but originally home quarantine was the policy in place to stop the spread. Travellers were required to go straight home from the airport and stay there for 14 days, but unfortunately many flouted the rules. Police checks in Victoria found that people weren't home in a third of cases in March last year. And that's still the case even after the severity of the pandemic became apparent. In South Australia, where home quarantine is currently being trialled again, a woman was charged with a breach while I was writing this article. Unfortunately, any pandemic response that relies on people being inherently good will ultimately fail. Case in point, the 68-person Melbourne engagement party where attendees, including not one, but two doctors, openly laughed about the illegal nature of the event in leaked video. And clearly this is legal because this is a group therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's my job. That's my job. Doctors here. So hotels were proposed as the more effective and efficient way of keeping people in quarantine. 
with loads of people staying in one place instead of their homes across the map, compliance would take less resources to police. After all, it's easier to recruit one security guard over WhatsApp than it is to send out several police patrols. But it's also important to note that we didn't realize COVID was airborne back then. Yes, it's obvious now, but in 2020, the jury was out on whether COVID particles stayed in the air. The understanding was COVID existed as droplets that exclusively fell to the ground after traveling a meter or two. That's a misconception held by the World Health Organization itself until May this year, when they finally updated their advice to say that yes, COVID is actually airborne. So, hotels clearly aren't fit for purpose, but to hear Scott Morrison tell it, they're 98% effective. And he's right, woohoo! But that figure comes with a serious caveat. According to ABC Fact Check, that still means seven leaks a month. For those playing along at home, it only took one leak to lock down Sydney for seven weeks and counting, and take the entire state of New South Wales with it this week. The risk may be low, but the consequences are real and catastrophic. So what's the alternative to homes and hotels? It turns out the answer is the quarantine we had with us all along. Remember the Diamond Princess cruise ship from earlier and passengers who were repatriated back to Australia? Well, they weren't quarantined in their homes or hotels, but in a facility at Howard Springs. There, a disused facility that had served as accommodation for thousands of construction workers would serve as the temporary home of the cruise ship returnees for 14 days. It had already been successfully used to quarantine the people evacuated from Wuhan two weeks prior. The facility consists of hundreds of cabins with no connected ventilation like hotel rooms and easy access to fresh air. It served as Australia's original quarantine solution, as mandatory quarantine requirements didn't yet exist for international travellers. Australia's border only shut to the world after those cruise ship returnees were gone, and the Howard Springs Centre was vacant once again. So when quarantine requirements were introduced for all international travellers, why wasn't this facility used? Well, hotel quarantine does have its upsides. Hotels with proximity to both airports and hospitals can limit travellers' time in the community and get them treatment quickly if they do test positive. On top of that, the Howard Springs facility didn't have the best reputation, viewed as akin to a prison. Public support for quarantining all returning travellers there wouldn't have been as high back in March last year. But that changed after hotel leaks led to lockdown nationwide last year, and the Howard Springs facility was reopened to quarantine in October. Today, copies of the facility, now called a Centre for National Resilience, are planned for across the country. As Melbourne's lockdown continued last week, the Victorian Department of Premier and Cabinet put on a community information event over Zoom in true COVID style to explain what Melbourne's quarantine hub will be like and the progress that's been made. Project Director Chris Keating was brought in by the Victorian Government earlier this year to develop a business case for the facility. He said that process took five to six weeks. Keating told viewers on Thursday evening that there were limited options available for the hub's location, as the facility needed to be built on government-owned land that's also near a hospital and an airport. The site also needed to have electricity and sewage facilities, and not have any really sensitive environmental or cultural issues on the site. 
This meant that instead of being built near Avalon Airport, as some observers had predicted, the Victorian government settled on Mickleham as the site for the facility without community consultation. Acknowledge that's not the way that we would traditionally do things in terms of engaging the communities. But on, for this particular project, the, the broader national priority was seen to really take, take priority. The land is owned by the federal government, who will finance the construction and take ownership of the facility. That construction is already underway, ahead of when it was scheduled to begin in September. However, new restrictions in Melbourne that limit construction site presence to 25% of staff could see those gains erased. Once the centre is up and running, with 500 beds of capacity expected by December, the day-to-day -day quarantine operations will be managed by COVID Quarantine Victoria. There's a big name on the CQV team, Director of Hotel Services, Abigail Trewin, who oversaw the rapid conversion of the Howard Springs facility into quarantine for the original Wuhan and Diamond Princess returnees. She spoke at length about the measures that will be taken to avoid leaks. Staff who work on the facility will have N95 masks professionally fitted before they're able to start work. Your cotton on cloth mask won't make the cut here. Trevin also emphasised there will be no work across facilities, a contributor to the hotel league behind Melbourne's second wave last year. When they get to work, they are managed in cohorts or bubbles. So we can't have staff mixing with other staff. Um, so they actually work within confined groups. And importantly, they can't work anywhere else. This is the only job that they can have when they're with us. Now, that's not just true for the lady in the picture here, who would be one of our RSOs. It's actually true for our bus drivers, our transport team, and for everyone who works for CQV. So that's a really important safety measure that we have in place. Both Trewin and Keating were eager to state that the facility is not a prison. You know, we are not building a prison. We're not building a harsh environment. We are building an environment where when residents are admitted into the facility, it's green, it's open, there's ventilation. It's a place where people feel safe and secure and has all the necessary security elements. Trewin went one step further, saying that some people won't want to leave. Really surprised me. We had people at the end of two weeks actually asking to stay longer, which uh, I think came as a surprise to all of us. That's a claim Trewin also made last year about the Wuhan returnees, and it certainly is surprising. In fact, it's almost unbelievable. But a former Howard Springs facility staff member was able to confirm that at least one couple did ask to stay longer at the facility while waiting for a connecting flight, as they preferred it to staying in a hotel. That's in addition to a woman who opted to quarantine at Howard Springs rather than at another facility with her husband, and a man who joked he wanted to stay longer as a holiday from looking after his children. But those stories are at odds with a review from the Washington Post Moscow correspondent who stayed at the Howard Springs Center in May. She wrote of soggy sandwiches and rubbery mattresses, so it looks like you can't please them all. Ultimately, Traylon believes that despite the austere nature of the facility, the fresh air that residents have access to from the balconies of their cabins will be a huge benefit to detainees' mental health and stopping the spread. So what we know is when we put people into uh, cabins like this, um, their opportunity is to still get fresh air, which is such an incredibly important part of quarantine. And we know that's been one of the biggest problems with um, looking after people coming back. And one of the the absolute points of um, mental health issues that have arisen. So this is a really important factor for sites like this. So not only that, when they come out into their veranda, there is a, a screen that separates the, their room from the next person next to them, but they're still able to have a conversation and a chat without causing any risk to each other. It certainly beats quarantining in a hotel room with windows that don't open.
But if the new quarantine hub does end up emulating a hotel and springs a leak, Trowen said a rapid escalation process exists. Importantly, we have a really um, good surveillance system. So that testing every single day tells us a lot about our staff. And if an event was to occur, the escalation process is extremely rapid and it um, it has a low tolerance in terms of uh, quarantining or furloughing staff if there's any shadow of a doubt. So if we're at all concerned, a staff member will actually be required to spend 14 days until we either get results or we decide what's next for that individual. So there's some really stringent rules around quarantine. In terms of prioritising the area surrounding the facility in the ongoing vaccine rollout, Trewin hopes progress in the rollout will make that a moot point. I really hope everyone who has an opportunity to get a vaccine, go and get one. You should be doing that anyway. We have COVID in our community and I can't stress enough, it's so important. As soon as you're eligible, get the jab. And by the time this site actually opens up, uh, I'm hoping with all the vaccines that are coming into the country, this is a mute point. That opportunity will have um, already been realised and everyone will have already reached that vaccine milestone because I'm sure we're all keen to travel and get our lives back. As construction continues on the facility and Melbourne faces another two weeks in lockdown, there are many who share that hope. This episode of Changemaker Q&A is brought to you by Changemaker Co. Changemaker Collective is a catalyst for young people to live out the motto, tell the world how much you care without saying anything. From iron-on patches for changemakers to upcycle their existing clothes into statement pieces, sustainably and ethically sourced gifts and clothing for changemakers, and community craftivism projects, there's something for everyone. Using a redistributive social enterprise business model, 100% of the profits from Changemaker Co. funds the impact work of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. Just head to changemakercollective.net for more. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Changemaker Q&A. If you have a question about changing the world that you'd like me to answer, just head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review so that we can get the word out and equip and empower as many young people as we can to change the world. The Humanitarian Changemakers Network is a solutions media and education platform, so feel free to head to our website for plenty more news and resources to help you make change happen.